right where you're at. If this is your first time or if you've been listening for a while, I just want to remind you that this season's theme is called All About Cultivating Peace. Each of the previous episodes, we have focused on how to cultivate peace, no matter your circumstances. And this season, we even have more coming up on this topic. So I just want to encourage you to keep listening. A new episode is released each Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And, you know, we need God's help and direction to be peaceful. Jesus has to rule in our hearts. John 16:33 tells me that Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What an encouraging verse to me today to remember that although everything around me is confusing and shaken, I have peace in Christ. Peace that we desire in our hearts and lives can only come through a real relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to talk more about a real relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to contact your local church or a godly Christian friend or send me an email or a private message through our Facebook page. I would love to talk with you more about that. Now today's topic keeps with this theme as I'm going to interview a woman who is humble, kind, and gentle. She is a real servant of God. Now listen, she is not perfect. And do I even need to remind you that I am not either? (laughs) We are both sinners, but one thing I've noticed about her is she loves God. She has a heart that desires to serve Him and honor Him, even if she doesn't always do it right. And she has a life that shows God's direct hand all the way through. She also serves God whenever and wherever He has put her. And you get to hear about some of her journey today and how she has found peace in Christ in serving God. So first, let me give you a couple things I want you to remember. Check out our Facebook page, Unshaken, and follow, like it, comment on the posts. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And if you want to comment privately, send me an email at unshakenpsalm 622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And hey, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast directory and give it a review. It really helps us out. It lets more women know about why this podcast is helpful. So listen, to start off today, I have a pipe dream. A pipe dream is something that's unattainable, so I know this is probably never going to happen, but here's what I always wished I could do. I always thought it would be awesome after my husband retires from his job and my kids grow up and are, st- are you know stable in their jobs and their lives to buy a Volkswagen camper and travel to all the national parks. I thought that would be awesome. Oh, I could just see myself standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. I mean, I'd want a barrier there because I don't want to fall. Or riding an airboat through the Everglades. I would love to sit by a fire with my feet up next to my husband and roast uncaloric marshmallows, okay, outside of our little camper. That would be my dream for about two weeks. And then, you know what? I would get really, really bored of not having other people. I mean, I love my husband and we have a great time together. But I also love being with my family and my friends, seeing my neighbors out and about in my neighborhood and worshiping God on Sunday mornings at church. I love being and hanging out with other women and talking about God and his work in our lives. Now, I'm not knocking this. If you are a person who travels in an RV, there is definitely a time and a place for that. But sometimes I think, I longingly think that a time less busy might be more peaceful like retirement. Maybe you wish you could just head off into retirement today, or maybe you're just struggling with peace in your current season. Well, today, my guest is Miriam Oswald, and she's going to share with us her personal journey of how God has taught her that there's never retirement when you are a Christian. Miriam, I'm so glad that you're here today on this episode with me. 
I'm glad to be here and I'm willing to very much share how God has worked in my life. I know. I know that about you. That's why I asked you. So I love it. Okay. Let's start all the way back at the beginning. Let's start back. And did you have Christian influence when you were growing up? And tell us a little bit about how you came to know Christ. Well, growing up, uh, I first of all lived with my mother with my grandparents. My real father, I don't really know what happened, but anyway, he wasn't in the picture. Mm. But my grandparents were, and my mother were Christians, and we went to church. And then my mother did meet another uh, gentleman uh, who had also been married, and uh, they got married, and we moved to Paulding, Ohio. And uh, we went to ch- a church of God there, and we cont- uh, my mother always took us to church hmm. all the time growing up. Hmm. What, a, what a great thing to remember, the importance of getting our children to church. When I became a Christian, we had moved to Pioneer, Ohio, and we went to United Brethren Church there. And then that was, of course, when they had evangelistic services. Okay, yes. And we went to them in the evening. And one of those evenings, I felt God's hand upon me, and I went forward and accepted Christ as my Savior. Hmm. And uh, from then on, I did was reading the Bible, going to church, was active in uh, young people people's groups and in the churches that we went to. Okay, great. And during this time, so this is like maybe um, maybe high school years or yes. early college. So what, what did you do for college? The first year I actually went to Rolling Green um, Night School in Bryan where we lived then. But then I felt like I wanted to get out of the house. Okay. And um, I decided, and I had earned a scholarship at Huntington College in uh, Huntington, Indiana, the United Brethren Church College. Okay. Uh, It is now called Huntington University, but when I went, it was still college. But I I went there the last three years of my life and um, definitely was fed fed the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, continued to love and serve Mm -hmm. Him. Okay, so now this leads me, so let's say you graduate, what did you go into? I graduated with a uh, degree in teaching uh, for grades 7 through 12. Okay, and then, so when, I know somewhere in there you met your husband, so tell us about that story. Well, this was after uh, I started teaching. The first year of teaching, I got a job in Delta, Ohio. Uh, in se- for seventh graders, and okay, can I just give you an extra uh, applause for working with seventh graders? I think that would be so hard. I love elementary kids, like kindergarten. So seventh grade, but is that your favorite? No, that's oh. <laughs> that's why. Um, I, I mean, I was okay, but yeah. uh, I did uh, when uh, before I went back to teaching. I actually retrained for elementary. Okay. Elementary. Okay, great. Okay. Keep going. Tell us more about that. The um, administration that hired me to teach at Delta uh, said that there was another first-year teacher also coming to be teaching in the high school, uh, be teaching typing and those kinds of classes, and said, uh, why don't you two room together? Oh, perfect. And uh, we'll find, uh, and they found us an apartment in Delta above a shoe store that is still there. Really? Oh, that's fun. (laughs) Anyway, um, so uh, she and I lived together, and we both had gone to church growing up, but for some reason, uh, I stopped seeking God. Mm. I don't know why. I did not seek a church to go to, and um, 
I sort of call it my period of time of sowing my wild oats. Okay. So you didn't go to church. So what did that mean for your spiritual life? It really didn't go anywhere. Okay. It kind of stopped. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. And what, and so then this led me to think this is probably early, um, your early teaching days and somewhere in there you met your husband. So yes, it was while I was teaching at Delta actually. Okay. Uh, uh, my friend Bonnie was her name. We often uh, drove into um, Toledo area on Reynolds Road and went to a drive-in restaurant. Uh, that was the kind that where you drive in and you have a speaker phone beside you oh. and you order your food right. and then they bring it out. Okay. Well, you know, Miriam, since we've all gone through the stuff with COVID right now, we probably have all done that where we, we just ordered it ahead through the phone or on our apps, but we know a little bit about that. But this is where you went often with your friend. Right. And uh, so we had gone there one evening and we had ordered our food and we're sitting there eating. And all of a sudden, two young men open up the back doors of our car uh -oh. and climbs in. Oh, no. And uh, sitted, we sat there and started talking to one another. And anyway, it ended up that she married one and I married the other one. That is crazy. I love that story. Now, listen, that's probably not something we'd advise young ladies to do today. No. But <laughs> it worked for you. Right. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Okay, so Miriam, tell me a little bit about um, your early years of marriage. You know, just some of the highlights. Well, we got married in June of 1964. Um, I... Stopped, dropped out of teaching um, and actually worked as a waitress at uh, Howard Johnson's. Oh, I remember the Howard Johnson's. Anyway, um, we, you know, we got along and lived in different apartments and uh, he worked at um, driving a bulldozer actually. Okay. And um, then uh, we did end up buying a home on South Hill Park in Holland, Ohio. Okay, great. You know, our life was okay, you know, I, I don't know, that, uh, I guess I would say the two main events that happened is that one day I answered the telephone and uh, a young lady was on the phone. I would say she was, I don't know, 12, 13, 14. Okay. And she said, uh, my name is Barbara Oswalt and I would like to speak to my father, Ron. Uh oh. And I thought, hmm. Fortunately, my husband had told me that he had uh, a child from a former marriage, but he had signed off for her to be adopted, okay. assuming that his ex-wife had also done that. Okay. But he, she did not, we found out. She had been living in foster families all oh. of her life. Oh, wow. So, so what did you do? What a phone call to get. Right. We both, we decided that we needed to get her and we went to the foster care and we brought her to our home. Hmm. Wow. How was that journey? Yeah, I, I feel like it went well. Um, uh, she had been going to church with a, um, for the foster family. Mm. And so uh, that did make me start going back to church. Wow. Because um, I would take her. Well, that's really amazing how God used that to draw you back to church. Yes, I can just look back in all of my life that um, he, 
the song that comes to me is he was there all the time. Mm -hmm. And when I hear that song, I think, yes, Lord, you were there all the time. I praise your name that you did not forget me. Yes, absolutely. Let me um, let me just stop here for a brief moment and just um, thank those of you out there who are fostering. I mean, that's a, that's definitely a way to be a ministry to someone. And what a great blessing it was for this girl to have been taken to church by her foster parents, which then God used to lead you. That's awesome. I love that. Okay, so um, uh, what else happened in your marriage? Well, um, she lived with us for a um, you know for first couple of years, and we did have on weekends the other child that my husband had from a second marriage, and uh, she would come and stay with us, and I got to know her uh, real mother, the ex-wife. Uh, one day, my husband got a phone call from his ex-wife. Mm. and said, come get your daughter before I kill her. Oh, no. Oh, t- yes. Another boy, you, you should just not pick up the phone. Okay, Miriam, I think that would have helped. <laughs> anyway, I did not realize that things were, like this were happening yeah. to her. Uh, you know, she came on weekends and things seemed to go well. But anyway, we went and got her and she became a part of our family mm. also. Wow. Wow, those are just crazy thoughts to think through. Um, I think that um, it is evident God's hand with you to just receive that, just accept those girls into your life. That's great. What an encouragement to us. Sometimes we don't always have things that we ask for. I'm not sure you asked for those, but God gave you something different, and I think that's really a great encouragement. All right, so did you do anything fun with your husband? Well, I guess the main thing that my husband loved to do, and I would go with him, we would would be to ride motorcycles. Wait a minute, ride motorcycles? Yes, somehow he got into motorcycle riding and racing on motor, on in motorcycle races. Actually, That's, did you race? And not in a real race. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did ride motorcycles, okay. and we would go up to Michigan often with dirt bikes. We didn't have street bikes. Okay. We had dirt bikes, and we would ride through the woods. You know what I love about that is you did what your husband loved. You just went and did it. Was that your passion? I don't know if it was my passion, but I did enjoy it, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And uh, as a result, he, he decided that he wanted to run a motorcycle racetrack. Oh. Okay. So we looked around for some other property, and we found some on Geyser Road. It was 10 acres, and we moved there sometime around the late 60s, uh, night, I think 1968, 69, somewhere around in there. Okay. And he um, had, of course, run a bulldozer, so he rented a bulldozer and made a racetrack on our property, and we rented five acres from Anderson, who lived next door to us. Okay. So that we had a big enough racetrack, and he made hills that you could That's run fun. over, and uh, we opened that up in 1971. Okay. I'm not sure when exactly. And how did it go? Uh, it went okay. I mean, we had, we did not lose money, but we didn't make enough money that warranted all the work that it involved. So after two or three years, we closed it down. But if any of you remember, it was called Dirt Rider Park. Oh, that's so fun. I love that piece of history about you, Miriam. I had no idea that you would ride ride a dirt bike. Do you have any pictures? Oh, yes. Okay. I'm going to have to see those later. Okay, so Miriam, were you following God during this time in your life? Uh, no. 
I mean, I would often think about God um, and really feel like um, I had was not doing what I was supposed to do, but um, I hadn't really returned to him. Like I say, I had gone to church some, and, and uh, Barbara wanted to go, and I would take Chris, that's the other daughter. Well, and so was your husband following God too at all? No, but no. I mean, he, you know, he, his daughters wanted to go. Yeah, and that's he, great. Uh, he allowed me to take them, and uh, I guess you know, it wasn't a something that I was really seeking, but at least I was going to church. That's right, and that is important, you know, being in, in the church and having that routine, which leads me to think that there's probably some ladies listening today who are kind of in your shoes. Maybe they're married to a man who either clearly does not acknowledge God or have any interest in God. Or maybe their husband says he's a believer, but his life doesn't show it. What would be some advice you might give to a woman like that? Well, you just really have to um, seek God's guidance and, and, you know, and obey your husband and just, you know, ask him, you know, if you can go to church, can do this and... um, just, you know, continually show him the love of God mm-hmm. in your actions. That's a very fabulous piece of advice. Probably harder to live out than it is to just speak, right? <laughs> right. In 1976, I um, went to the doctor and had a colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. And they discovered that I had a tumor in my uh, te- intestine. Oh. And I had surgery. They had to remove it. They removed uh, part of my uh, small intestine. Oh, uh, wow. And it was the size of a grapefruit, they told me. Oh, that's huge. And uh, so anyway, they removed it, and they found out that it was cancer, and they sent me to an oncologist. So I... um, during the time that I was in the hospital, had started to um, read um, God's Word, mm. and was reading a book actually by Dale Evans, mm. and, a, and some of her uh, story of um, something a book my mother gave me. Anyway, it really made me think about God, and any. Uh, so we went to this oncologist and got an appointment, but somehow he became ill, and they canceled it. Oh, the doctor did? Yes. Oh, dear. The doctor canceled it. But in the meantime, of course, they continued to do colonoscopies to check to make sure everything was okay and had one every month for a while. Oh, well. <laughs> that I didn't like. Yeah. But I was very glad that they did not find anything. So it was about six months later, I got we got a phone call from the oncologist to make another appointment to come and see him to do radiology. And my husband and I talked it over, and all the colonoscopies had been negative. Hmm. And so we decided not to do the radiation. And I feel that that God really saved my life because Hmm. I'm still here. Hmm. Because I definitely had colon cancer. And God healed you of that. That's yes. amazing. What a praise the Lord for that. Definitely. To hear that story. And that probably led you closer to see God's hand. Exactly. Then I really started seeking God and at that point I started going to the United Brethren Church. Great. And so did your husband go to church with you there at all? No, he uh, uh, said it was okay for me to go to church every Sunday. Uh, that uh, he agreed with, but 
he didn't want me to become any more involved. He, wa okay. he wanted to spend time with me, actually. Yeah, well, that's good. And so, yeah, and you know what? I love that piece of, little piece of information that you gave about how important it is to just obey your husband in that. I mean, that's not easy, but it actually built your relationship with him, and that was actually honoring to him. So that's mm -hmm. important. As I said, I had left teaching after I met him and actually uh, started working as a waitress, but then decided, no, I have a teaching degree and I should be okay. making use of it. But I decided that I would rather do elementary, so I had um, gone back to a summer school and take, took an, an elementary um, teaching uh, training course. Okay. And then I was able to get a job at Door Street School, actually. Nice. And that's where I started teaching and served there for three years. And then I, for some reason, uh, decided to think about other schools and got a job at in Sylvania at Highland Elementary. Okay. And that's where I taught the rest of my life here in the States. I taught sixth grade there okay. until 1995. That's when you retired from teaching here in the States. But did you actually retire from teaching? Well, I thought I had. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I did like teaching, but I was glad not to be grading all those papers. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Anyway, uh, I had a phone call in 1999 from my Aunt Martha that I talked oh. about before. She is just all a part of your life, isn't she? <laughs> yes. And she lived in Arizona, actually. And that's why I was talking to her on the phone. But she had a daughter who had um, gone into the mission field. Okay. And she and her husband and two children were missionaries in Thailand. Oh, wow. And they had been there for three years. Uh, they were living in Chiang Mai at that time, learning the language before they were um, put exactly on the mission field. Sure. And she wasn't sure when they would be coming back, and she wanted to see her daughter and her grandchildren. Yep. And so she decided to travel to Thailand. And how old was Aunt Martha at this point? 50s, probably. Okay, okay. So anyway, um, I'm talking to her, and I always like to travel. Mm-hmm. My husband didn't, but I did. And I thought, hmm, that would be a neat experience. So I said, I'll ask my husband if I can go with you. Because she was sort of leery about traveling across the yeah, world. alone. Alone. So I did ask him. And I know this was all God's doing. He did agree for me to Yay. go. It was a little bit shaky because he thought I'd only be gone a couple weeks, but my Aunt Martha wanted to stay a whole month. Oh, wow. <laughs> and when I told him that, he said, no. And I said, okay, I'll stay home. He said, I said, because I don't want to have to travel all the way back all by myself. Yeah. yeah. And he said, okay, you can go. Yay. He let me go for a whole month. That's awesome. And visit... Uh, with, with my cousin and my Aunt Martha in Thailand, and we, uh, of course, landed in Chiang Mai, but we did do uh, traveling, uh, visiting different tribes. I mean, it was yeah. a wonderful experience. So your cousin was serving there, and what were they doing there? What kind of mission work? Well, at that point, they were uh, just learning the language. Okay. But they did go then to a, a place in Masarin, Thailand, about three and a half hours from Chiang Mai, and to a uh, place called CDM, where 
uh, a, the Loa tribe people had their conference for their church. Oh, okay. And they be, uh, began a teaching um, facility to train tribal people in God's word hmm. so that they would then go out into their community right. and preach God to their people because they belonged to um, new tribes. That, it was called new tribes at that point. And they felt that it was important to train the tribal, the, the yeah. people in the country to be uh, the leaders sure. of, of following Jesus Christ. Right. They were already there. They already knew the culture. They lived there. So they're the nationals. So training the people to go serve the other people is really a key in missions. Okay. So you went there for a month and it was a great trip, right? Right. And then what happened after that? Well, I just came back home and, um, and later in that year, um, my husband started to have some physical problems, tired and not wanting to eat. Hmm. So we took him to the doctor and they did all kinds of tests and hmm. he started to lose weight, get very thin. They knew he had a malignancy, but they couldn't find where it was. Hmm. So they ended up having me go to Cleveland Clinic okay. to have him checked and that was in January of 2001. So we went there. They found that the cancer was in the lining of his stomach. Oh, wow. But at that point, they said there was nothing they could do. Mm. Take him home and call hospice. Mm. So I did. Mm. And he passed away one week later. Oh, wow. Wow. Very hard, hard days. And how did you move forward after that. That's a sad moment in time. And there are certainly ladies listening who are maybe in that moment right now. Well, God was with me all the way. Hmm. And um, my I know my one sister actually came and stayed with me for a while and, hmm. and gave me comfort. And somehow I continued on. You can just see God's hand in it. Uh, while I was um, in that home, a we had uh, built a factory uh, for a tool and die on our build on our land. Okay, and um, rented it to a friend of my husband's, a young man, and so they actually were there, and they had two acres. And one of the men that worked there knocked on my door and said, uh, I would really like to buy your home. It would be nice to walk out the door and go to work. And that put in my head the idea to sell my property. And um, so I did. And I moved to my home on Waterville, Swanton. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, that was all God's doing hand. to yes. have me move there. And um, I don't know if you want this part of the story <laughs> or not, but 
Um, I love all the stories, so go ahead, keep telling us. <laughs> um, as I was looking for property, my knees started to sort of bother me as I was going up and down stairs to go to the bedroom, and I thought, well, I better get one all on one floor. Sure, that's wise. So that's one of the reasons why I bought that property, because it was all on one floor. And God knew why I had to do that. Because later, the family that came to live in my home, Bruce and Lori Rowe, Lori had grown to five foot ten as a sixth grader, and her knees had not developed oh. well, and she had pain going up and down stairs, hmm. and so they needed a house all on one floor, and he knew they were going to live there. I am, I have no doubt, and that's why he made sure I sold my other house that had stairs to go upstairs mm -hmm. to the, to the bedroom, downstairs to sure. wash, wash, upstairs to even get in the house. Right, and this one was all on one floor. Yep. It's fabulous to see God's hand in our lives all over it. Like he, he ordains things. He leads us. He directs us. And when we trust him, he, he does amazing things for us and leads us through dark days, you know, death and difficulties like that. And through really fun things like motorcycles and you know, he's there. I love that. Okay. So did you ever return to Thailand? At this time, uh, the church, <clears throat> the United Brethren Church that I was going with, they had um, planned a mission trip to Lomonosov, Russia, that's near St. Petersburg. Ooh, that is very interesting. And I thought, yeah, I would like to do that. So I went, I think that was partly how God got me through this time mm -hmm. afterwards, because I went there and visited. And while we were there, we were allowed to go to St. Petersburg, mm. which was nice because I had taught about Russia and Peter the Great, and I got to see Peter the Great's castle. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> I would have loved to go with you. I love history anyway. but And also, who was there was John and Debbie Siegel that was from our church. And they worked at St. Petersburg International School. Oh, okay, and as so, missionaries. As missionaries. Okay. And so I met with them and saw them also, and so it was just a great time. I came back home, and in April of 2002, I get a card in the mail that says, St. Petersburg International School needs teachers. Oh, wow. And I thought, hmm, well, down in the bottom of the basket that I had in my house was another card that I had received from my cousin when I returned from Thailand that had said, Grace International School needs teachers. And that's the one in Thailand. In the Thailand. But I received that, of course, in 1999, and I just looked at it and said, my husband won't go to Thailand. Right. I'm I not can, going there. I can, but I can't. So I threw it in this basket, and for some reason it was still there. Huh. And I saw that one and the one that I just got, and I looked at them and said to God, well, if you're trying to tell me something, <laughs> someone's got to take care of my house and my dogs because we had three dogs. Right, at the time. Okay. At the time. So... That was in April, and I didn't really think too much more about it. And 
I went to church the last Sunday in June. Okay. In the bulletin, there was a blurb. Missionary family, home on leave, oh. looking for a place to rent in the Toledo area. Hmm. And it was like God tapping me on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. I finally got up enough nerve on July 3rd to call the people who were in charge okay. of their, uh, this missionary couple. That night, uh, Bruce Rowe was on my doorstep. Hmm. And we talked, and he said all the time we were talking, he just felt a surge through his heart hmm. that he felt that because uh, they had come in May and had been looking for places to stay for a year because they wanted to come back and uh, let their sons experience time in America, their sure. their citizen country, because they had been not been born there. So that we realized if this was God's doing, there had to be an opening at Grace International School. For you to go. Or St. Petersburg. Yeah. So he helped me, and we sent uh, applications to both schools. Um, both schools would have taken me. The other thing that shows God's hand, this missionary couple lived in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and were missionaries there. Really? Wow. And their three boys were actually going to be going to Grace International School. Really? And they contacted Jenny Garcia, who was the principal. So when I came home from church that Sunday after meeting with Bruce, there was a message on my phone that said, Hi, I'm Jenny Garcia. I'm a principal at Grace International School. Since you're not here, I'm going to send you an email. I went and checked my email, and it said, We had just had a meeting trying to decide what we were going to do because we didn't have a fifth grade teacher. We had gone through plans A, B, C, and D, and now we have decided that you're plan E. Oh, wow. Wow. So, so that really made, you know, clarified yes, that this solidified was where, it. Yes. That, where God wanted me to go. And so I had called on July 3rd, and on August 6th, I was in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Wow. And Bruce and Lori and their three boys lived in my house while I lived in theirs in Chiang Mai. Oh, so you just traded. So you can see how God oh. was at work every step Absolutely. And this is the same people you were talking about that she had some issues with her knees. So having that house that was all on one floor was exactly God's plan. I can see this like thread sewn in all these stories of God's yes. handiwork. Yes, I, I can't I mean you just look back. I mean I never understood that, that that's what God was doing by having me go to Thailand. Right. He was laying the groundwork. Yep. But you can look back and see where he his hand was through it all. He already knew what he was going to have me do. That is really encouragement. You know, sometimes in the middle of difficult things or things that don't make sense, it's easy to forget that God's a part of it. And so I think that's really an encouragement to me personally, and I'm sure it's encouragement to our listeners. We may be stuck in something or something may not look good. I have some of those things in my life right now. And yet God's hand is there and he is working even when we can't see. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So how long did you serve in, in Thailand? I, I served a total of nine and a half years. Um, 
I would go in the school year and come back in the summer. And then would they go, did they stay in your house the whole time? They stayed in my house the whole time because they wanted their boys to, yeah. they were on leave for a year. Okay, just for one year then. For okay. one year. And so um, they actually left about a week before I returned and oh. they had someone else watch my dogs and, until I got right. there. So you sort of passed in the air, yes. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> right. Okay, so you served there, and um, what's your fondest memory of serving in Thailand as a missionary teacher? That's a good question. I just threw that one at you. <laughs> um, I guess getting to know all the different students. There was like 25 different nationalities oh, really? represented at Grace wow. International School. Most of them were Americans, but you had students from Germany, from Holland, from Singapore, from India. Were these all missionary kids? All children okay. of missionaries, except um, the Thai government required that 10% of the students be Thai. Okay. And so we, and so I could, and, uh, and a lot of them were from South Korea, actually. South Korea sends out a lot of missionaries. Okay, really? Yes. And so they did have an ESL department, English Second Language, to help these students mm -hmm. who didn't know English real, real well. But okay. they all had to know English to some extent. I did not learn Thai. Okay, you, yeah, you were only there for nine years. That's... Well, that only, that sounds stupid. <laughs> you didn't need to learn Thai exactly the same because you were actually teaching in an English school. Right. And I was basically with an English-speaking community yeah. most of the time. I did try to learn Thai, but my mind does not capture languages that easily, especially a tonal one. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I decided after I'd taken um, a couple of courses that God had sent me there to teach and I couldn't learn a language and also teach at the same time. Well, you know what's encouraging to me about that is sometimes we can think we can't do something because we might not have all the skills. But you went because you obeyed God and you did what God, I mean, he clearly obviously led you there. And you were just doing what was available. You were using the skills you already had. I love that we can use the skills we already have to serve God. And sometimes we have to learn new ones, but I agree with you. I, I can't imagine learning a new language in general, so that would be an adventure <laughs> challenge. Okay, so you served there for nine years, and then you came home. Did you stop serving? How old were you about when you went to Thailand? I was 61. 61 when you went. So that means nine years later, you were 70, right? Coming home back to America, did you stop? Yeah, actually, and actually no? it was older because oh. I didn't go back one year. Okay. Because I had um, ridden my bicycle down from my house to go to um, the bike trail, and I thought I had time to get across the road, but I didn't, and a car ran into me. Oh, no. Um, so um, when I um, got out of the hospital and got a report, the man who lived in the house near there said he heard a loud noise and then he saw a woman flying through the oh, hair on no. her bicycle. Oh, no. So that was me. Oh, no. And so they life-flighted me to MCO. And as so uh, it was all God's doing again. I didn't really break anything other than I had to wear a neck brace because okay. I, I had cracked some of my spinal things. Sure. And I ruined my face. Oh. Uh, the main thing I remember is waking up on the gurney and the 
uh, doctor saying, oh, we don't have to do surgery. I can sew her face up. Oh, wow. So <laughs> That's not what you want to necessarily hear in general. <laughs> right. So, so this was after you had returned. Yeah, this was my second. I had taught in, in uh, Thailand for two years and come back. Uh, you know, after the, uh, my first year, and and stayed, and they wanted me to come back, and I said I would if I could find someone to live in my house. And that year, God provided John and Debbie Siegel from Saint Petersburg actually to live in my house the second oh, year. Okay, great. So they lived in my house the second year. Then I came back. Then I had this bicycle accident. Okay. And so uh, I was home for a year then. Okay. So so the time you were in Thailand was still nine years. It just there was a split in the middle. So that meant you were coming home when you were like 71, in your early 70s, coming back to America. Did you just stop serving and just kind of sit back and watch TV and eat bonbons? <laughs> I don't even know what bonbons are, but it sounds fun to say. Well, um, I felt like uh, that I still should be seeking what God wanted to do for my me, and uh, he had uh, orchestrated a me to learn to play the guitar. I always liked music, and my sister was very uh, good at it, and uh, her growing up, she had taken lessons, hmm. because at that point, my father, you know, there was more money available. When I grew up, I didn't get lessons that much. Right, right. But anyway, that sometimes happens. <laughs> we had gone to her house and uh, she, for Christmas, and she would have been singing on the guitar and singing, and as I w came back home, I said to my husband, I'd really like to learn how to play that guitar. So he went and bought me a guitar and found me a guitar teacher. Awesome. So again, it's all God's doing. I mean, I... And this was back when your husband was alive. Oh, yeah. This was pre-going to Thailand that you were learning. Okay. Right. And so I, I, I was never an expert on it, but I can play the chords. And so I would play, uh, you know, uh, Christian music. And I had actually gotten the guitar when I was in Thailand so that I could keep practicing. Mm -hmm. That's good. And had left it there and given it to my cousin, actually, huh. uh, who awesome. was a missionary. Awesome. So he, she found someone that needed one. But anyway, um, I felt God calling me somehow or other and uh, can't remember exactly what happened, but I ended up going to Swanton Valley um, care center um, okay, on, okay. on airport, you know, right near my home. And I started going there uh, every week and I would play music and I could play all the old songs that I liked and all of them that they liked. Yes. Awesome. And sing those and share scripture and pray. And we'd always pray together, you know, ask for prayer requests. And so I started going there uh, every weekly. week, weekly, and so that's kind of um, an, a forgotten part of society. Are those who are in a nursing facility? They kind of get forgotten. So that's a beautiful way to serve here in America. I'm sure there's facilities all over the world like that, but to come home and take what skills you had, your guitar and your voice, and that's a beautiful thing to hear. And what a what an encouragement to us. Like serve where. There's a spot. Like, I'm sure that there's facilities. Okay, what else did you do when you came home? Well, uh, actually, through Annette uh, Kolkachava, um, she introduced me to Liz and uh, Dennis Tracy, who had a ministry 
to have after school Bible mm -hmm. clubs. And um, it just led from one thing to another that I started doing after-school Bible club in Swanton schools. Now that's local to Toledo, and we have, I think they have many kids clubs all over the Toledo area. I actually was a part of the one at my kids' school this past year, and it was a beautiful blessing to be able to speak truth to kids who are in everyday public schools. I love that, and I bet they're all over the United States. I think you could probably, if not, you can just start one. You don't really need any fancy things, right? You just... Right. You just need to have a willing spirit to go share the gospel with kids. And they always had a curriculum yes. that you followed. I actually started in Door Street first doing it. Oh, that's and fun. And actually, I remember Ashley Forney helping me. That's fun. That's awesome. And she was a young lady yes. at our church, probably in her, in her high school years or early college. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a great way to be involved. Those are fabulous things that you came home. And I know there's many more, Miriam. But to kind of sum up our time together, do you think that we're ever retired as Christians? Definitely not. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Each day, um, I, I feel like I, I mean, even while, where I'm at right now, I have moved and, and sized down and lived in a, in a uh, retirement community off of Monclova, Waterside. And I always say, Lord, what do you want me to be doing right. now? And a verse that I like to start with, my day with, is found in Psalm 143. May each morning bring me word of your unfailing love because I trust in thee. Show me the way that I should go, for unto you do I lift up my soul. Mm. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me to higher ground this day. Mm. I, love, I love that you start your day with scripture. We've talked on this podcast multiple times about how important God's Word is in our lives, that it leads us, directs us, gives us wisdom. I remember, well, I've mentioned I have six kids. My oldest is in his early 20s. My youngest is nine. And I still am doing this sometimes, but I used to have a, a verse up in my laundry room, and it was Galatians 6.10, and it said, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And I can remember folding laundry for hours, but I knew that's what God called me to do right then. It was the way I could serve my family by having clean underwear. We all need that, right? But also, <laughs> but also, it's what God gave me. I may not be able to go to Thailand, but maybe someday I can. You never know. You never know what God's going to do. And I think it's good to use scripture in our life every single day. How often those verses resonate with me when I'm doing things like cleaning up puke or helping somebody with homework or sitting on my bed when I'm listening to some uh, one of my children giving me their heart and telling me their stories. It's just not, it's just that we are called by God to work for Him every day, and He doesn't always give us the same things to do. Sometimes they look different. You know, Miriam, one of the things I love about your story that you've shared with us today is how it is, it shows God's hand all over your life. Like there's a thread woven. And I know that God has been there. And I think one thing that would be scary is if you were all alone in life and it's easy to think well I don't want to go out there and do these crazy things like head to Thailand and you know do these things how have you seen God protect you well I definitely know that he has saved my life no less than six times okay the first one was from colon cancer that I've already told yes. you about yes and the accident in 2002 oh, on the bike on the bicycle yes. definitely feel that you know 
flying through the air, I could have very well been killed and had broken many broken bones and yeah. did not. God's hand was upon me yeah. because he knew he still wanted me to go back to Thailand. Right, that's right, and do ministry, yes. Right. So he saved me then, and then in Thailand, um, um, I think it was 2010, um, in May, I became um, very um, swept with pain throughout my body. Hmm. And um, it was really painful, and uh, I was living with the uh, Rose, the missionaries that had lived with uh, my house the first uh, um, time I went. They had um, built a house and for uh, thinking of, of renting a room to me, and so that's why I lived actually with them the, the last seven and a half years okay. that I was in Thailand. So anyway, uh, Lori had given me an a Tylenol, and I went to bed, and I came down the stairs and said, if this doesn't help, it's I'm really working. in great pain. She took me to the hospital, hmm. and I'm sure it was all God's doing in no time at all. They had uh, diagnosed that I had septicemia. Oh, no. Which is where a uh, uh, bacteria gets into your bloodstream oh. and works on your muscles and tendons, and, and which is what was causing right. all the pain. I was in the, in the hospital for two weeks. They had to put in antibiotics in my bloodstream oh, okay. uh, every day. And um, God provided someone always to get me to the hospital. And uh, anyway... Every day they had to do that? Yes, every, oh, day, wow. every day for a month. I was oh, in the wow. hospital for two weeks, so for the last two weeks they had to transport me back and forth. Okay. And God provided someone every single day Wow. to do it. That's awesome. Fortunately... Um, I, I was able to return. Uh, I had a return ticket in June, so I was able to return. Um, had to have someone transport me on a wheelchair through uh, the airport. Oh boy! <laughs> but uh, I made it home and um, went to therapy and uh, recovered from it. Uh, at the time, I didn't realize it. Lori didn't tell me until I was recovering that I could very well have died mm. from septicemia. Wow! So that was the third time. So God, uh, like I said, healed me. Uh, when I went to the doctor, uh, the end of June, he told me, you are doing okay, but there's no way you can go back and teach full time. Oh, no. And so that's how I went back. And really, the last two and a half years I was in Thailand, I went as a helper because I didn't, especially the first year, have enough stamina mm-hmm. to be able to teach a whole day. Yeah, yeah. I did continue to serve in Thailand. Uh, my uh, last year was 2014, I believe, um, but um, I returned. And then in 2017, I was in a um, car accident, oh. which was not my fault, praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. And But my car was totaled. Oh. I was able to get out of the car. And um, so was the lady that ladies that caused the accident. So I was, you know, thankful for that. Yes. And um, the ERs did come and said they thought I, I looked okay, but my chest was really hurting because of the airbag. So I oh. decided to go to the hospital. Uh, it was at St. Luke's, and um, the um, ER guy uh, took X-rays and said, "Well, your chest is okay." 
but in taking these x-rays, I see something down on your adrenaline gland. Uh-oh. I think you need to go to your doctor and have this checked out. I will be sending him this x-ray. Uh-oh. So I went home, got an appointment with my doctor, and he ordered a CT scan, and it showed a mass, definitely, on my adrenaline gland, and um, they had to have surgery to remove it. Hmm. Um, they did a biopsy of the mass, and they found out that it was non-Hopkins lymphoma. Oh, wow. So they said, you need to go to an oncologist. Uh, we think we moved it all, but we feel that you need to do chemo. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I went to an oncologist, and they said, we will do chemo, but before we start, we want to check things out. And they ordered blood tests, an x-ray of my brain, uh, another full body scan. Sure, all the... Uh, everything. Everything that was needed. So while I was waiting results of those tests, I was reading the book of Daniel. Okay. And I was reading about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm -hmm. Familiar story. And uh, God said, you're in the fiery furnace, mm. but trust me. Then I read the next day about Daniel in the lion's den. Mm -hmm. And God again said to me, you're in the lion's den, but trust me. Hmm. And so I did. Hmm. I went to the oncologist. They said, we have found no cancer, but we feel that there might be cancer cells roaming around. We still want you to do chemo. And I said, I'm going to pray about this. I don't feel like God mm -hmm. wants me to do this, and so I'm still trusting God, and I'm still here. Hmm. So he saved me from the accident. Yes. That was number four. He saved me from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is... Which number. actually, we're tied together. Right. Because if you hadn't had the accident, you may not have seen the exactly. second part of that. And that, of course, uh, verifies Romans 8.28. Mm -hmm. All things work together for good to mm -hmm. them who are called according to yes. his purpose. Amen. Amen. So, I've quoted that one on this podcast before. <laughs> I love that verse. So I'm praising God for that. Yeah. And then... Just recently, this is number six, I was driving down McCord Road and came to a four, the four-way stop at Bancroft. And I stopped, I looked down the road. There was a truck coming, but it was a ways down the road and they have to stop anyway, right? Right. So I pulled across the road. Uh-oh. That truck did not stop. I don't know how fast he was going, but he sped right through that stop sign, and he, he missed the tail end of my car, I feel, oh. by no less than two inches. Oh, boy. Oh, so wow. I'm praising my most holy, merciful, almighty yes. God that he saved my life again. Yeah, those are fabulous. You know, that is, we've talked on um, here, I've talked with a couple other ladies as I've interviewed them, and we always go back to the same thing. And you just did that. You just didn't know it. But we go back to how we have to keep a list of the things God has done. We have to go back in our lives so that when we're stuck in something difficult and things don't go well or we're uncertain, we can look back and see these are all the ways that God has led me. And it's such an encouragement. And what you did is go through all these times when God protected you and led you 
you through physical trials or accidents, danger, and how he was there even in the midst of it. I love that. That's wonderful, Miriam, that you shared. Um, It is really good to be reminded of that today. And so, you know, as we end our time together, Um, You know, our listeners, I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you're standing washing dishes while you listen to this podcast or driving in your car. If you are um, maybe, you know, driving kids to and from some some soccer practice or maybe you are busy in, um, you know, in your job every day and you're listening or maybe you are um, on the more mature age end and you are kind of um, in a spot where you're thinking, what can I do for God now? Well, I just want to encourage you, and I say this to myself, let's live our lives to please and honor God. And I actually ask you something to do today. Are you serving God where you are today? Uh, What is one thing that you could do today, like right now, to serve God? And maybe you want to make a list of some of the verses that we've talked about. Miriam shared a few and I shared a few and hang them up in your car or at your desk at work or, you know, and memorize them and remember how God has led us through all these, these situations. This is really where we find our peace. Miriam, would you end today by praying for us, you and I, and our listeners today? Our Father. I just thank and praise you for all of your love and care for us. And Father, I am praying that each of us will continually seek you each day. Mm, And I pray that we will trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not unto our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you and let you direct our thoughts and Mm. our paths. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, Miriam. I'm so thankful that you came on the podcast today. It's been great. I know that I, uh, I talked you into doing this, so <laughs> I appreciate it. And remember, whenever everything around you is shaking, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.